Hello, beautiful angels. Welcome or welcome back to the Illuminate with Lizzie podcast. I'm your host, Lizzie Q, and I am so excited to share another beautiful episode with you. I have the honor of interviewing Rose McGill, who is a personal astrologer, a teacher to be, and just a beautiful soul overall. I've always been drawn to the cosmos, the language of the stars, the planets, and how to really work with this energy, but I haven't gotten the chance to dive into it as much as I I've wanted to. So in this episode, this was really the perfect time for that. You'll get to hear what is most beneficial to know just from looking at your chart. How does your moon sign reflect in important areas of your life? And what is Mercury all about? Are astrology apps like CoStar even worth it? Or are they just taking away your power? Find out all of this and more in this episode. You'll even get to hear about my own chart and Saturn return because I'm an open book and I want everyone to feel comfortable with exploring their relationship to the cosmos as well. Rose also shares about her own journey into astrology and how her purpose really unfolded when she had her spiritual awakening after a traumatic event that happened in her life. Rose is actually the first guest astrologer on my podcast, and we really came into each other's lives at the perfect time. It definitely was divinely orchestrated, and I'm so grateful I got to have this conversation with her and to be able to share it with you all. I got so many goosebumps during our talk, and I'm ready for you to feel the magic from this as well. So I hope you all enjoy this beautiful episode, and without further ado, let's begin. Hello, Rose. Welcome to the Illuminate with Lizzie podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I already know a little bit about your background and I just love your energy, your mission with astrology. But for listeners that don't already know you, could you give a little introduction of who you are and what you do? Yeah, so my name is Rose McGill. I'm a professional personal astrologer, so individual clients and their needs as far as the astrological placements and those sort of readings. Um, I also do synastry and transit readings, and I really just try to focus in on that human psychology aspect. Um, I have a bachelor's in psychology, and I'm also currently in graduate school to be an elementary school teacher, so a lot of things go yeah, you're doing it all. So the very first question I would love to ask you is what does illuminating from within mean to you? And when do you feel like you illuminate from within? So I really feel like that it's just like your soul speaking its truth, like really just coming and starting from that deep point and being able to communicate it as brightly as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, astrology came as a very divine subject. I was not looking for it. I actually was arguing against it for a long time. So mm-hmm. I definitely would consider, yeah, astrology being one of those subjects that it's almost like knowledge I hear, I study, I learn. And then as I'm talking to people, I almost get better at talking about it and um, being able to break down those complex theories and ideas just by communicating with other people. So I would definitely say that's how I do it. Yeah, I love that. So you weren't actually even looking into astrology. You felt like it found you. Yeah, yeah. I actually, so during my undergraduate years, um, I I was a junior when COVID happened. And Mm -hmm. there was like that huge wave of new spirituality. And I was like totally against it. I was spiritual and I was starting to get into like crystals and angel numbers. But astrology just felt like such a pseudoscience to me. Like it really didn't make any sense. 
Mm. And one of my friends kind of like knocked me on the head and was like, well, why don't you just try it? Like, just look at it from like one perspective and just see how it can oh, apply. God. Like every day I was looking at the moon phase, how it affected me, what like behaviors I was going through. And it just kind of like spiraled into this like, wow, like not only does it help me, but I can help other people and my friends and my family with it. So yeah, oh, it, wow. it really showed me itself. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's beautiful. It's like this unveiling process. When you first got started with astrology, did you download you know, those popular apps like CoStar and the pattern? Is that how you got into it? Oh, yeah. Especially CoStar, actually, because of the social aspect. So mm. when I first started to get into it, like there were friends of mine I already knew who were into astrology. They would have it like their Instagram bios or they'd post a Snapchat or whatever about it. So I got it to be like, okay, well, who else is a Gemini sun? Who else is an Aquarius moon? Like those people I can meet with. And also from a psychological perspective, I could kind of analyze their behavior and see if it like aligns with mine in any way. Uh-huh. And it was really interesting because I do have a lot of placements similar to my friends. Yeah. So yeah, during like college, like I'd be at like the bar with my friends, or we'd be at a party and they'd be like, oh, can you read my chart? And they'd love to So it definitely was like a beginner. Uh, the coaster is not always accurate. So I try to tell people like, as I'm reading it, I'm like, okay, this is a good starting point. Like, where are you going from here? What else are you adding into your knowledge base? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like people can get too carried away with what an app says? Because so many people are being introduced to this, these apps that basically say, oh, you're feel you should be feeling this type of way, or this is in transit. So watch out for this. Yes, absolutely. Astrology at first was a pseudoscience. Um, when I first started to get into astrology, and I know, I thought that it was a pseudoscience, it's because like you would read the horoscope in the newspapers, and they're written by journalists, by astrologers. So they're going to be very vague, they're going to be almost negative, because it's like the original clickbait, like they want you to yeah. buy that paper. Yeah. So CoStar was kind of that first introduction for astrology for a lot of people, but it also was that like download our app, and like get your friends to download it too. And yeah, I had a friend who showed me the video of the CoStar CEO, but she actually admitted to like when they knew that someone was gonna have a good transit day, they would like throw off the person and send them like a really bad message. If you're supposed to have a really good um, like social day, let's say, they'd be like, oh, watch out for your friends. There might be a snake in the grass somewhere. So they really would, yeah, they would like intentionally kind of make you second guess what was gonna happen in your day. Yeah. Um, and I just didn't like that dishonesty. They they considered it more to be like trolling. And I'm like, no, if you have the information, you might as well be honest with it, you know, not misleading. So yeah, yeah. I feel like when you have when you're reading things, it's really important to be discerning because that really can change and dictate the rest of your day when you're reading something and you do have this belief system. Our reality is is really based on our beliefs. So when we read something and it's like negative, of course, subconsciously, it's going to impact us a little bit during the day. And I feel like for someone that's just getting into astrology and is really leaning to astrology for guidance and they read something like, oh, you should watch out for this person. You're going to be looking at everybody like, uh, are you going to be that snake that's, that's going to impact me somehow? So yeah. 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 And it also creates this sort of like paranoia, which started to happen with me right when like COVID hit and I was just barely hitting the astrology. Cause I had CoStar and I think I had like one other app. So I really was basing my day around these two apps and CoStar, like the messages they send you right in the morning, it would be negative. And that would also be like the first 
notification I would see in the morning. So if it's like, oh, like be careful with your spending habits or again, like watch out for the snake in the grass, it would be almost the forefront of my mind all day because it was the first thing I saw in the morning. Regardless of what the other app said, that one was overwhelmingly positive. If I was supposed to walk into a great abundance of luck, like I was not even paying that attention because CoStar had kind of already prepped me for that negative. So I just really was like, no, I want like astrologers and like then I can come up with my own interpretation for how the day is going to go. Yeah, I remember when I first started downloading that stuff and it got to the point where I was like I need to delete this because it was it was really changing how I felt in the morning so yeah I got to the point where I deleted it and I it allowed me to trust myself and read what material I wanted to read whatever I felt guided to read whether that be about astrology or about anything else in the cosmic realm and kind of let myself go from there so yeah I think that is something that's really important for for people to know too it's just not to go to these apps and have them be your life too much yeah and that's also something that I tell like my clients and even my friends when I was first giving them was like quick readings is that even if I'm 100% accurate even if what I say like completely resonates like go seek out other astrologers go seek out other spiritualists and tarot readers and just different information that you can find because like there, I might have missed a mark like there's no way I'm gonna know 100% everything about astrology there's like there's just too much information for astrology for one person to learn it and to be an expert on it. So if someone is claiming that they know everything about astrology or they're saying that they are the one all end all of astrologers, that's like a huge red flag for me because like this literally is cross-cultural. It's in every religion. Like yeah. there's so much even just data in it that you really can't just be the one solve. So yeah, I always tell people, go find other sources, go look it up. You find one placement online, go find it in a book, find as yeah. many different perspectives. I love that. I love that. And that's a very, that's a very pure energy to come from too, because like, letting go of your ego, I don't know everything. It's the cosmos, you know, there is an infinite amount of information out there that we can digest. And then we are the vessel to bring it to others. But that doesn't mean all that information is going to come through us. There's going to be different people. Different energies are also going to resonate differently with people too. So I think that, you know, even if an astrologer could be the most accurate astrologer out there, that doesn't mean that you need to hear it from this specific person. Right. And that's also why I say that I'm a personal astrologer, because I know there's definitely some astrologers out there who are already predicting like the presidential election and oh, yeah. like the health of celebrities and all these different things. And I'm like, you could be incredibly talented in that realm. I am not. But if I sit down with one person, I will literally be able to tell their astronomers, their work life, the strengths that they have, like those specific things. So it's also like you got to find your niche in astrology. And if you're just learning it, it really is you kind of want to learn all the different things to figure out the different faces you have, I guess, like the different realms you would fit in almost. But mm -hmm. yeah, there's so much to learn. I could be learning this for the next 40 years of my life. And I feel like I'll still be learning new information about it. So yeah, yeah. And I, I also think that whatever you're drawn to as well, when if you feel good about doing more so personal readings, and that's definitely what the universe is guiding you to do. And if you don't feel called to like predict the presidential election or like anything like that, then again, the messages want to come through different people. I'm sure people that are predicting that with astrology are probably hyped up about it. They're probably like, yeah, I love this stuff. Oh, yeah. There's also just like a different 
application when you're looking at astrology for the collective versus one person or even like one city. I call them like manifestations. So it's kind of like ways that a placement could play out. Mm. So like you can look at a planet, look at a sign, but it's not going to play out the same in every setting or for every person. So trying to predict that on a collective scale seems like nearly impossible to me. But there are also some people who, when looking at a personal chart, they're like, well, how do you know what's going to happen in your life in 10 years? Or how do you know what happened in your childhood? Genuinely, I learned by diving deep into my own chart. So I feel like that's why I'm so good at looking into other people's charts. Mm -hmm. uh, but I know as astrologists who started out by looking at predictive events for the world, studied it that way, and now they're able to predict. So yeah. kind of goes both ways. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, what are your big three? And has there been anything in your chart that has basically prepped you for a certain event in your life or something that you may be experiencing right now? Yeah. So I'm a Gemini sun, Aquarius moon, Aquarius rising. And then I also have a Gemini Mercury Ooh. and an Aquarius Uranus and an Aquarius Neptune in my first house. Okay. So I have a lot going to Aquarius in my first house with a lot of my kind of like constant movements I call them and then the Gemini is just like how I talk like I am very well aware I talk a lot younger than I am um I work at a middle school and elementary school they're constantly asking me if I'm still a teenager so <laughs> I I definitely feel those sort of things um and I would honestly say my Aquarius moon is kind of what got me started into astrology just because mm -hmm. every single explanation I saw about an Aquarius moon was wrong. <laughs> like, oh, like none wow. of them resonated. Most of them were very negative and I didn't really understand because the other Aquarius placements were almost exact, like the Neptune and the Uranus. And then also just having like an Aquarius rising, those all seem to be pretty spot on, but I listened to a couple different astrology podcasts. They didn't even understand that placement as well. So I was like, okay, this is interesting. So I was really just like diving deeper in it that way too. And I'm actually currently on 24. So I'm in my first house perfection year. So I'm oh, still kind yeah. of learning how I come off to other people, I guess. But it's been a wild journey. I'm like seven months in now. So. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. super interesting. So you found that all these explanations that you just weren't resonating with you. So how were you able to discover a better understanding of an Aquarius moon then? So I, this was like during COVID, just like pre before COVID, I was able to find out through CoStar that actually two of my very best friends that I'd had for like four or five years, they actually both had an Aquarius moon and they were like wow. people from my town or people I grew up with. There are also people who like kind of bled into my college life. So I was, you know, partying with them and studying with them. Yeah. Um, and ended up going on a camping trip, me and these two friends. And by this point, we all knew that we had the same moon. I like won't stop talking to them about it. And the one friend was like also super hyped about it. And it was so snowy on this hill, we got stuck. And it was oh, also wow. an Aquarius full moon this night. Yeah. So we're literally, yeah, we're literally watching the moon like rise over the mountains. And we're like, wow, oh, this is so beautiful. But also the car is stuck and we're like, what do we do? And I, all of us just like banded together. We got the car out. It was only like 20 minutes of stress. We watched like easily one of the most beautiful sunsets and moonrises I've ever seen in my life. Like it was like, I can't even describe it. Yeah. And I remember in the car and the first thing my friend says to me is, enroll Aquarius moons. That's really the reason why it worked out so well. And I was like, I want to take credit for that, but it also kind of makes sense. When you're in a friend group with friends who have the same moon sign, you're addressing your emotions the same way. So you're expressing them, you're regulating them, and you've also gone through the same life experiences as a child. So you're navigating this very high stress situation in the same way. 
Um, and I really just sat with that idea and I was like, how would this situation have changed if I was with my other friends that maybe I don't know their moon sign at all, or that I know for sure have a different moon sign than me and almost guaranteed there would have been arguments. There would have been disagreements or, you know, somebody yelling at somebody to push on the gas harder. And I feel like we would have missed the sunset. We wouldn't have seen the moon rise because we would have been so focused on getting the car out of the snow versus this different reaction where we all are appreciating the nature's beauty and also genuinely trying to work as a group. So I think that's why it worked out so well. And I mean, there wasn't one word raised. There wasn't anyone angry or passive aggressive. We genuinely were all ready to get out of there. (laughs) Yeah. So it really was like, it was nice to see how my moon is reflected in other people, but Mm -hmm. also that all the different descriptions that I had been reading that didn't resonate with me. I also would not have described these two friends as being that. So I really was able to kind of dive deeper in like how they express their emotions and I physically just asked them, like, how do you regulate your emotions? Yeah. How is your relationship with your mom? Because the moon also rules like that femininity and that motherhood. And there were a lot of overlaps. So it, it really helped me dive deeper into myself, but then also navigate the rest of the Aquarius themes and the rest of the Zodiac, right? Like Aquarius is not cold hearted. We're not off and aloof there's a lot more depth to the sign than i think people were willing to give aquarius especially aquarius moons right off the bat so yeah mm-hmm. oh, i love that and that's it's crazy how synchronistic all that happened of just like having oh, your yeah. close friends have the same moon sign as you and then you diving deep into astrology at this time too and getting a better understanding of it. I feel like a bunch of people during COVID went through this spiritual awakening, just like understanding that there's more than meets the eye and with like societal programming and everything. Do you feel like that's when you had your awakening to everything? Because it sounds like that's when you really wanted to dive into astrology. So the months leading up to COVID, so like that November, December, and January, I was kind of looking into it. I'd already been like a crystal girly. I was like starting to go on like more of that like spiritual side with my friends. And it was kind of like a nice group thing that we were doing. So it was really that first week of COVID, uh, which was March like 15th, 16th, and 17th. Uh, my dad actually had a massive heart attack and it was in the middle of nowhere. Like we, none of any of my family was expecting it. I was down in college and it, that is really what awakened me. It was such a traumatic event for my whole family and we were not prepared for it in any way. And my dad was like the head poncho of the house. Like everyone followed his rules. Everyone loved him. He was the funniest guy. He was an entertainer. And he really was like the breath in our lungs. Like he, he really just kept all of us going. Um, and when he just, yeah. And he died over the course of like four days. So it was was like literally shut it down. Yeah. And we were the last full family to be let into this hospital. So the hospital was still figuring out like the masks, the hand sanitizers, the quarantines, like they didn't have any of that figured out yet. We were just doing like temperatures and then we were walking in. And they actually gave us a higher waiting room for ourselves. And then we each individually got to go say goodbye to him and like actually like touch his hand and everything. And I remember like having said goodbye, you know, I'm like crying and all that. There has to be some sort of reason for this. Like, yeah, it was traumatic. Yeah, it was definitely life changing. And like, I'll never forget it. But there is something and I even remember saying this to my older sister. I'm like, there is something to be said about the fact that like the world had to shut down in order for us to grieve this. And she was like, that's crazy. She because obviously it shut down for us. 
fact that it's all literally the same days, the same weekend, that was just way too much explosiveness for me and for my life. So I actually looked into astrology, the perfection years, and I found literally that as this was happening, it was a specific placement in my chart. And it showed me like the day and month. It showed you the day and month it would happen. Yes. So from there, I was able to break down the perfection years because every house or what I call like every sliver of the pie, it accounts for one year of your life. So I was able to find based off of my age where I was in my chart of perfection years. And then when you divide the degrees in a house, zero to 29 degrees by the number of months in a year, so 12 months in a year, you're able to actually get a number for how many degrees each month represents. And from there, I found exactly this event. I found the placement and it showed me right in the middle of March that I was going to be experiencing this, um, which was absolutely catastrophic. So I was I was like looking at it and I like looked up at my sister and I was like, they're going to think I'm crazy now. I was like, but I understand what this means. And I was like, I need to be present for my family now. And I like put it away. Now my whole family reached out to me for astrology. They like talked about the spiritual side, even like if dad reaches out to them in any way. So there's, I'm definitely grateful for it. And it was, it was one of those moments where you're like, am I in a movie? Am I being punked? Like, this is like so insane happening mm-hmm. all at once. Like I have to find some explanation for it and it was just right there for me so wow wow well I have I literally have feels from you sharing that story first of all thank you for sharing that and for being comfortable about that I want to point out the fact that you decided to take this bird's eye point of view and zoom out of everything and see it in the higher perspective because that is that takes a lot of strength Um, It also takes a lot of just wisdom to really look at this in a completely different way. So that's incredibly beautiful because in doing so, you found healing in that. And in you finding healing in that, you were able to share that with your family. So, wow, I just literally commend you for for doing that. And I'm, but I'm sure that you have an angel watching over you at all times. Oh, yeah. No, that's no doubt. And my dad was actually one of the more spiritual people in my family. So there were a lot more things that happened like on the not social side that was like purely spiritual that I was like keeping record of. And then it was almost as if like the more that I was learning about astrology or I would gaslight myself about some new transit, then suddenly the spirit would roll through and be like, no, wait, like, remember me. And it really almost felt like, especially during COVID, because everything was shut down my intuition was probably like at its highest because Mm -hmm. there was like nothing really else I could focus on. Uh Um, It really felt like he was holding my hand through it. Like, it's okay. Like you are going to learn it might be difficult or people might have their opinions about it, but it really has shown me only that light. And like, I tell anyone I have been pointed towards astrology just as much as I've been pointed towards teaching. So I know that it is some sort of divine path for me. I just am excited to be on the ride, honestly. So Oh my goodness. I just keep getting chills when you're when you're saying this. I can totally feel that you are living your truth and being divinely guided. It takes a lot of strength to continue to follow that divine guidance. Of course, in this 3D realm, it's easy to gaslight yourself and be like, hey, wait, what? But when that magic continues to happen and you're like, this is this isn't just a coincidence anymore. You know, this is this is real. This is energy. Everything is connected. And I'm so happy that you were able to see that and pinpoint that. It's honestly beautiful. Thank you. 
Wow, I'm glad that I think I asked you about that. Yeah. Spiritual awakenings are are a crazy time. I mean, COVID was a crazy time. And I, I do feel like a lot of people spiritually awaken. So I love when others are sharing their stories about it. And yours really just hit hard, for sure. Oh, oh, yeah. And me and my little sister, especially, we've talked a lot about how because it really happened that same week for us, that almost in some way, we're helping our other friends who didn't have any sort of the grievances for COVID until later on, or maybe didn't experience their spiritual awakening until later on. Me and my sister were kind of the guinea pigs, I feel like, for our generation, for people our age. So we were able to help our friends gracefully in that same way. And now they're more understanding on like a collective scale of the harm and like that grievance that really was happening for thousands, millions of people. So me and my sister were like, well, hey, it happened in our personal life. Let's help you through it. Like we know how to talk to you, but we also can like really be there for you. And this generation, women, generation Z, so... We kind of tend to be almost offering of emotions, but we acknowledge the collective emotions. So we're like, yeah. no, no, let's talk to us. Like, it's okay. We've been there. <laughs> so oh, we're a lot more open and warm about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That being able to relate and to empathize with people is, is a huge quality that is really helpful when it's in this, the healing realm, in this wanting to bring bridge heaven on earth, really, and bring this new way of living to others. I also think that's why people that have spiritual awakenings go through some intense stuff in their lives and have these massive upheavals. It's really to be able to relate so that we can empathize with others on a new level. Yeah. And really just also lead those people in some way, because like, I know that that was probably my biggest spiritual awakening. Uh, It was so disorienting in every form. It disoriented me for months. And it's one of those things where you don't know until you've been through it. You really don't know until you sit in the mud and you had to like really be there. So yeah, I feel like I've also had to like help people through the positive and the negative sides of those. And honestly, it's also helped me a lot through my astrology readings because when I see a placement that like literally is highlighting that they had father or mother issues, I'm able to really connect with them personally and be able to say like, hey, I see you. Here's how you can grow from this. And if this is a relationship you want to rebuild, or if it's trauma, like here's where you can work through it. So um, it, it really has given me a deeper sense of empathy for my clients and really just helping them through some family things because there's a lot and people would be surprised like I, I don't see it in every chart, but I will see it in a chart. And it's like, yep, you know, like when something happened, how parents or siblings talk to them and very specific traumas that this person went through. And I almost feel invasive a little bit, even though they gave me this information. But yeah, it's it's really important to me now that I get it right. And then I also help them see it through it. Because it's one thing to say like, oh, yeah, you had trauma. Your dad died COVID, didn't he? And then if you just like leave it there, how is that helping the person? Like, how are they right. growing from that? Right. Yeah. So that's also a huge part of my astrology is like, yeah, I can give you all you need to know about yourself, but I also want to see you grow with it. I want you to be able to apply it to your life. Yeah, definitely. It's one thing to point something out and like know what someone is going through, but it's another to actually want to be able to give them light on their journey, something that will give them that strength to help them continue on. What would you say is most helpful for someone to know just by looking at their chart, like someone that's new to astrology or is interested in it and it's like, hey, there's a bunch of stuff here. What is best for me to know? And I get this question a lot, especially from like coworkers, because I'll be like, oh, I'm an astrologer on the side. And they're like, oh my God, can you read my chart? What do I need to know? 
I, yeah, I would just say look at your moon and your mercury because your sun, everyone's going to know your sun based off of your birthday. It's kind of like that bigger overview. And rising is that honestly, I consider rising to be more deep, more personal. It's how your friends and your family are able to relate to you. But your moon is like your emotions. It's how you express your emotions, it's how you regulate your emotions. So when I was able to find an interpretation that made sense to me and resonated with me, I was able to use that information and go forward with how I look at my own emotions, but it also can kind of be a slap in the face because it's showing you your own toxic behaviors that you've been ignoring or that you've been actively avoiding. But also having similar moon placements with your friends is like the fastest way to make a connection. It's going to feel like you've met in a past life. It's going to feel like you were destined to be friends with each other. So knowing your moon placement is a superpower, honestly, okay. you're able to then figure out how to regulate better and then also find your like-minded people. Okay. So I think your Mercury, that's literally how you communicate with other people. In traditional terms, that would be oral and then written communication, literally how fast and how loud you might talk, the different phrases you might use. So are you like writing music prompts? Are you a dream journaler? Are you writing down recipes? Like all of those sort of things and the style that you write to is also Mercury. Uh, but Mercury also in modern times rules over technology. So it has a lot to do with like texting and phone calls and those sort of things. So probably the second question that I ask my coworkers, especially if they talk different or if they use just very unique phrases or if they just have like a really unique communication style. I'm like, what is your Mercury? Because that's also the fastest way for you to have a misunderstanding with somebody is if your Mercury's just do not mix. <laughs> so especially in like professional realms, the workplace and, and friendships, if say you have like a fire Mercury and then like a water Mercury, like one's going to be a lot more emotional, one's going to be a lot more confrontational and want to just say what's on their mind. So those are two different ways to go about communication. Really, it's like a self-awareness to know how you communicate, how other people interpret your communication. Mm -hmm. And then your moon, again, with that emotional side. So yeah, those are the ones that I dove deep into. And I was like, okay, yeah, like that makes a lot of sense. Like, let me sit with this and help myself here. So yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I love that. I'm wondering, since I did share my chart with you, if you noticed anything you wanted to point out or would be good for me to know, because I have I have explored astrology, I definitely have, but it would be lovely to hear from an astrologer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So first of all, a Libra. You also have a Libra stellium in your first house, which I'm sure is not news to you. Um, but what's also interesting is included with that Libra stellium, you also have your Scorpio Venus in your first house. So okay. any planet you have in your first house, you can also any of those characteristics or stereotypes that you would attribute to like that sign's rising. So say you have Venus in your first house and those tributes you would have oh a libra rising very charming oh a taurus rising very luxurious right those would still be for venus you're already a libra rising it works but it it just kind of like makes your libra rising more voluptuous like very mm -hmm. feminine very like yeah luxurious because right there you are showing it every day whether you want to or not you're very expressive with your venus Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah and then I also wrote about your Saturn if you want okay. to know yeah I feel completely comfortable I'm an open book so give it to me <laughs> okay so your Saturn is in your fifth house so fifth house rules over like romance love affairs play creativity fertility childlike joy spirit and then also like drama so I think like fifth house is ruled by leo a lot of those same characteristics that leo would uphold so does the fifth house 
the houses are just like the setting in which it would play out. So when you were asking me earlier about like, oh, you're sad in return, like what themes could you maybe like look for? Visiting themes of childhood, you might have new bursts of romance. Uh, also dreams or fantasies not being embedded in truth or finding out that they were almost more far-fetched, but how can I make them reality? So there's kind of like the both ways it could go. Mm-hmm. Uh, reassessing spirit. So you're probably just overall re-looking into your own spirituality, how to apply it, how you express love, play, actively planning and manifesting how to recreate this bright joy that you had in your childhood or almost you didn't have it in your childhood, almost as like, how can I create it now? How can I hold it now and make it mine. So, and that's really just the fifth house and then Pisces being ruled by Neptune of all of like the dreamy, like nostalgia and the music. Literally called Pisces like the mermaids of the Zodiac because mm. like they understand the vibe right away. They have you in their spell, but they're also like so beautiful and so nice and so smart. Pretty much any Pisces Mercury's, Pisces moons, like I know they have musical talent. I know they're creative people. So, Having your Saturn in a Pisces sign also means you might just have to be creative in general, <laughs> like yeah. this year. Yeah. Uh, but what's also interesting is I defined a lot of indicators through your chart that like your podcast would be successful. So I thought that was funny. Like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I've done a lot of um, astrology readings for people specifically with like career questions. So I'm like trained to immediately look at like the second house or the tenth house mm-hmm. and, and then the house. And your moon was in the ninth house, which is your Gemini moon, which is like, you are very friendly, you're very bubbly, you bring a lot of people, very social, you want to like host the party. And the ninth house is ruled by Sagittarius. And Sagittarius is known for like bridging together all these different philosophies and cultures and religions. And you're literally hosting all these different cultures and religions and philosophies. So I was like, this is so perfect. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love that. Oh, that that is wonderful to hear. Um, I'm glad because this really does feel good. And that all of that does resonate. It's really interesting because I'm currently in my Saturn return for listeners that are curious. And I always thought that it would be something that had to do with my health. But I feel like I'm at the end of my health journey last year that I experienced. So now that my health is actually in a great place. I'm like, okay, so what is my Saturn return about? So this does this does make a lot of sense. I do feel like a lot of it I'm being pulled towards bridging heaven on earth. I literally keep hearing that when I connect with my spirit guides or my my spiritual team. So it's nice to hear from um, that the cosmos are are saying that as well. <laughs> yeah, and another thing I just wanted to point out because like definitely bringing those people together and like having to talk about especially if I also have chronic health issues so I know what it's like to be in that place they almost have to like climb back out this could also be that creative joy that you're recreating for yourself like it doesn't necessarily just have to be about like your childhood it could just be you being like I'm strong now I'm capable now I'm oh, stronger yeah. than maybe I was even before what can I do with this let's yeah. keep the ball going so really just brings in again that Leo that fire confidence like yeah. you're really just free bringing that strength but yeah, also in your chart, in your second house, which is like money, finances, income, uh, that's where Scorpio was. And Scorpio rolls over like the occult and the spirituality. So again, the podcast just snuggles right in there. So oh, I really just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Yay. Thank you. Thank you. That I'm glad that all of this resonates and it makes sense because <laughs> imagine if you were like, 
yeah, no, <laughs> this is not going to work out for you. Sorry. <laughs> well, and actually one of the first astrologers that I was talking to, like I was very confident in my chart. I knew all the nitty gritty and I was like, Hey, can you tell me what 10 house Scorpio means? Cause I can't find that anywhere. I don't know what that means. And Scorpio just tells me about like the occult and the spirituality. And this astrologer literally looked me in the eyes and was like, you should be a professional witch. And I was like, wow, what? Yeah. Like, what? And I was working retail at that time. So I was like, I don't understand. And as I kind of like sat with that idea and just through time, it presented itself as astrology. And the more I learned about astrology, the more you see that it actually, especially in traditional times, is lumped in with witchcraft. I was like, oh, okay, well. He was kind of right, but like not 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I feel like when people say these things to you and it's before you really get into it, you're like, wait a sec. And then you remember these things. You're like, huh, I see now why this person said this to me. And being a witch or however, whatever phrase that you want to use, it's really what you make of it. I think just bringing magic to people's lives is really what it is which is a beautiful thing. It's what you're doing. You're helping people remember that there's so much more to life and they don't have to, they don't have to feel like they're just going through this realm with, with no connection to the universe or how things play out. There's a blueprint, a cosmic blueprint that really helps you understand yourself. I'm curious, have you ever had a reading where you did see a lot of upheavals in someone's chart or it would be like I would say more of a an intense chart how would you help them navigate that because let's say I see my chart and it's saying like you have a million karmic lessons that you need to work through and basically your life is going to be really freaking hard <laughs> so first of all there's always a light to every negative the very first astrologer who read my chart, she was so incredibly negative and then quit her job the next day. So I have felt that 100%. She looked at my chart and she saw my first house stellium and literally was like, wow, you have so much Aquarius in your first house. And then like put down my phone and didn't say anything else. And I was like, well, what does that mean? Like, can you tell me anything? And she was like, no. And then she quit the job the next day. So I couldn't even like ask her any questions. I couldn't like, I had to get my own perspective from all of that. So I, and then with also my background in psychology, I'm like, I will never make another person feel that way. Like if I can give them any sort of pointers, helpers, I'm going to do that. And there has been quite a couple, like recently, actually, I had a synastry reading and I love to do synastry readings because I love to feel like a little matchmaker for my clients and like, yeah. you know, them together and those are also usually some of my most successful I've also had some amazing predictive synastry readings as well mm -hmm. so I'm pretty confident with them and I did this reading for this may have been a client of mine for a couple months and I was like oh yeah like you and your daughter you guys seem like you're really happy and it was somebody he had a crush on and I was like oh I felt so bad because like there was absolutely no indicators for romance or sexual attraction or even any like passion or anything to throw off of there's quite a few aspects in astrology that are at first very negative but then you can grow from them you can it's almost like a catalyst event and then it explodes and then you pick up the pieces and you're stronger after mm -hmm. but there was nothing it literally was all very like cozy very chill and I'm like oh well good luck <laughs> and unfortunately yeah they they were not meant to be together anyway so it's also a lot of 
explaining these negative things or maybe things that they weren't anticipating in a very nice way in like the best way possible because I don't want somebody mad at me necessarily but it's also I don't want to hurt any feelings like I I felt so bad when I did that because it wasn't necessarily like I was wrong it was more like I wanted them to give them the best reading possible mm-hmm. and then it was more of like did I fail or was I right and he responded and it turns out I was just right the vibe of the relationship was much more coworker, less of like actual romance. So yeah. I, yeah, it, it is kind of like a back and forth. You definitely have to kind of catch a feel for your client. But yeah, I mean, there's like, I've also had just some really interesting Mars placements uh, because those are also like you're describing to somebody what they're sexually attracted to and also the very things that they're frustrated by. Mm-hmm. So some people really love that answer some people almost like shy away from their messages and sometimes i get really difficult mars where i'm like okay your expressions let's say cancer mars right because mars again rules over like aries that fire and then cancer being that like water feminine very cool kind of vibe those don't really like to mesh well and i tell my clients i'm like it's like boiling water it doesn't feel comfortable to you so i'm like there are ways physically to work it out like i literally will give them like workout routines and things like that or i'm mm-hmm. like oh, you can drink like sort of tea and that'll help you because like it is playing into the elements at play so like fire mm-hmm. and water so like hot tea or like sauna or um i'm trying to think there was another there was an earth mars placement where i was like oh kickboxing would be amazing for you yeah. and they literally responded they're like i'm in kickboxing oh my gosh i love that <laughs> okay. um and that's definitely my gemini mercury i try to find something a solution that's different than what they might have heard before to try to help them work through any of these abnormalities but there's nothing wrong with anyone's chart like any negative placement or trials and tribulations they're all things that we can grow from and we can keep working towards moving forward so wow I do well, thank you for sharing that the person that read for you the astrologer that read for you then quit her job the next day i'm just like yeah oh my goodness that <laughs> maybe this wasn't her calling after all but i definitely believe that it takes a lot of emotional intelligence to to be able to hold this space for your clients, for the people that you read for, and and really support them by using astrology as a tool so that they can take this information and and step into their power, like really make the best out of the situation. And I also think that if somebody is looking to towards astrology or something else to learn more about themselves and maybe their relationship, then they also kind of have to be open to maybe hearing something that they don't want to hear. Yeah, (laughs) that was also part of it. Um, And I've had a similar conversation with my little sister, actually, because love her so much. Love you, Rebecca. Uh, But sometimes she (laughs) she'll ask me to pull up like her and her friends quick sinistry or like her in this crush you know, or like maybe she met this guy at a bar and she's like, can you show me? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Like, I will literally do it for my sister and like my best friends for free. So I'll like pull it up and I'll be like, oh, so sorry. I don't know if he's the one. She'll be like, no, 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 no. I feel this way. And I'm like, okay, you do what you want. I love you. I will be here to wipe your tears. I'm just saying it's, it's not aligning, you know? And then she'll come back a couple months later, but like, yeah, it didn't work out, blah, blah, blah. Or like, oh no, it was great. So it's like, we, we definitely have those conversations back and forth. And um, it also was really funny because her friends are into astrology too. So then she'll tell me like, oh, you and my friend are exactly the same because you guys have the same 
Zodiac. So I'm kind of getting her under my wing a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just part of the sisterly, sisterly bond there. Yeah, yeah. I can completely, <laughs> I can completely relate to that, especially when I, when friends come to me for readings as well. And it's something that I know they don't want to hear. I'm like, okay, well, I have to share this information anyways. So it's just being thoughtful about it. And again, people have free will, right? You can hear things and then you have your own choices to make based on your intuition and also the guidance that you've received. But I've, I totally understand how that feels like. And it's still something to navigate as well. Cause it's almost like sometimes you need to let people learn their own lessons, like you said. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think there's a little bit that I honestly really appreciate of my psychology background because I did take clinical psych in my undergrad genuinely did not like the class turns out I'm more of a social psych and a neuroscience kind of gal but I tried it and the main takeaway that I got was okay you're diagnosing people at the same time that you're also helping them apply their diagnosis Mm -hmm. so depending on if you're diagnosing someone with say schizophrenia you can't just be like yeah so you have schizophrenia you know, oh, like you, ha- yeah. you have to come at it with a sense of compassion. So that again, is really what I try to apply to astrology. If I'm going to tell someone, hey, I think it's going to work out, like here's some positives or here's some negatives. Like even in my sinistry readings, actually, I'm like, let me know if the relationship change- changes at all. I would love to keep like an updated record just for me and then for you. And it's really interesting to see where we go from there. Like I can't imagine an astrologer giving you this information, this heavy loaded information. And then just being like, yeah, solve it on your own. Like, I'm going to try to give you a solution or at least a step in the right direction, even if I can't solve it for you. Does that kind of make sense? Like, yeah, I'm going to give my best warning. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, I'm going to do my best to help support you in your journey so that you don't have to take the really insane route (laughs) to to get to this destination. You can take the path of least resistance, really. Yeah, I was able to find in a client's chart that she had long term health conditions. And I said that and this was actually one of the free readings. So it was only like about a sentence or two. And her and I ended up going like an hour conversation because I was like, one, I understand this is sensitive information. Like you do not have to tell me any more about your medical history. Definitely, by all means, you don't. And she's like, no, no. She's like, you are so accurate. She's like, and I do think that part of it had to do with some of her mental toxic behaviors and then physically how she was like, not just eating, but how she was like treating herself and like the weight that she was putting like mentally on herself by eating or by not cooking, like just those sort of things. And I was like, wow, I one, I can try to help you the best that I can. But I'm like, I am not a nutritionist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. I can give you the best answer possible astrologically. But even just the fact that I can find that in a chart to me is also why like, I genuinely believe astrologers should have some sort of ethics background, some sort of astrology, psychology, or therapy, you know what I mean? Like something right. that helps them a little bit because yeah, they can really just be like, oh yeah, you have long-term health conditions. And then she could like really be physically harmed by that. So it's just something I really take very personal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great point to make too. I know that when I really started to develop my, my intuitive abilities and do Oracle readings for people, I made sure that I was protecting the integrity of my clients by making sure that I did 
the coaching that I needed and everything that I feel like I've learned in life has really prepped me for this. I never thought when I was like five years old that I would be ever doing readings for people. And now being in this position, life really does make sure that you have all the tools that you need to bring your gift to other people, as long as you continue to trust and hear that divine guidance. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, even some of the things that I learned through my teaching program, I'm able to apply in astrology and vice versa. So I'm, I think it's that Gemini in me, I'm able to pull from all these different backgrounds, and then kind of mesh them and apply them all together. So I agree. I love that. I'm curious if you, I mean, I'm curious about a bunch of things, but I know you said that you do more so personal readings. Do you see any big cosmic events for this year to look out for or anything that anything that you're feeling in that sense? So the biggest one for me actually technically already happened. And that was Pluto moving into Aquarius. And that really is because anytime you see Pluto moving, you're going to see like the generational change. So you're I think you're yeah, Pluto and Scorpio, you're millennial, I'm Pluto and Sagittarius. So I'm Gen Z. Um, But this Pluto in Aquarius generation is going to be very rebellious. um, And they might even like they're going to be the innovators. They're going to be adding in that technology. And there's going to be a lot of, I don't want to call them like upheavals and riots, but there's just going to be a lot of like smaller rebellions, maybe even larger ones. And the fact that Pluto just moved into Aquarius, like it takes time for those kids who are born right now in order to be this age, right? Like to be in their 20s, to be in their 30s, to be applying what happened when they were younger. So everything happening right now is going to be the things that they're fighting for and against in like 20, 30 years. So that's why it's really interesting. Yeah. To really look at like what's happening today, because that's really going to be the fuel to the fire in like 20, 30 years for these younger kids. And you even see it now with the Capricorn generation, they're like elementary school age, uh, maybe even like middle school, early high school. Um, and there's a lot that they are very fully aware of, even socially, politically, financially, that working in the schools, it's almost like, okay, I remember being your age and I didn't know half of that or like who is telling you these things, you know? So it's just going to be interesting to see how what happens going forward in like the next year, but also how it will apply in the next 20, 30 years. So, wow. okay. Wow. And I'm even feeling that from an energetics point as well, from the messages that I've been receiving, it really lines up. There's a huge mass awakening of consciousness happening in the world, especially for the younger generation that you were talking about. So it is going to be interesting to see how that plays out, especially with the Pluto placements or transits, however you call them. But yeah, that is that is really interesting. I feel like So many people have been talking about Pluto recently, and I'm like, wait a second, what's happening right now? So thank you for sharing that. (laughs) Yeah. And there's also anytime Pluto is like in conjunction, so like in the same sign as other planets, it kind of puts like a spotlight on them. So it kind of adds in that energy too. So because Pluto is in Aquarius now, we also have uh, Venus going into Aquarius. We have Mars moving into Aquarius. And then Pluto will kind of like be in Aquarius and then it'll go in that retrograde in September as well. So there's kind of like have a couple months where we're really going to be feeling like that Aquarius energy, but we're also still going to be feeling the leftover of like the Capricorn. So the next like six, eight months, like there's going to be a lot of awareness, I think, of like holes in systems or ways that organizations could be reorganized or reapplied better for the masses. Like there's going to be a lot more awakenings on that like collective scale, just like Aquarius is also the humanitarian sign. 
and a lot to do with like those social issues. So they're going to be, there's going to be a lot more awareness of those social issues. And then again, like that 23rd year generation scale is really when we'll see it being applied, like being yeah. fought for. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't see many like riots necessarily happening right now or immediately. But I mean, there's a lot of things already happening within the world that has kind of escalated since Pluto has entered Aquarius. So yeah interesting interesting yeah I'm intrigued by all of this and gosh I feel like I I could just ask you so many questions about this what is what is the difference between Pluto retrograde like you were saying and a Mercury retrograde so for that you have to break down like what the planets represent so for Mercury retrograde that's the planet of communication And then, like I said, modern times, it also represents technology and then also driving in cars. So Mercury rules over Gemini and Virgo. So there's a lot of information that's like misinformation is spread. There's a lot of falsified research that goes out during this time. I've had full-blown computers shut down during Mercury retrograde or like cars. Yeah, or like cars that were totally fine and then just totally bottom out. So Mercury retrograde is more of a time for us to sit with How can we communicate better? In the worst of times, when we have to sit with this chaos, are we communicating in the best way possible? Are we communicating clear enough? Are we using the right words, the right technologies? And is our message getting across? So Pluto retrograde is more of like that collective shift. So you look at Pluto as like this like big manifesto, but it's like way, 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 way back in the zodiac. So or way back in the solar system. So it is a small planet, but it is a very powerful planet. And that's because it rules over Scorpio. So it's bringing a lot of this awareness of how we treat each other. So not just communication, uh, Pluto is also talking about the generational differences and how different generations look or behave to each other. Like Pluto and Scorpio, there was like a huge, massive new wave of spiritual understanding. There was a lot of like, like cultural movements having to do with witchcraft and a lot of this like mythological creatures, Harry Potter, Teen Wolf, there was Twilight, like all of those things in pop culture all have to do with Pluto. So Mm -hmm. when Pluto goes into retrograde, it's really reflecting as a culture, how far have we advanced? Have we checked off? All the boxes in the sign, we learned the lesson the sign has to teach us as a zodiac. So Scorpio, for example, Pluto and Scorpio. Did we really dive deep into what it means for that spirituality? Did we learn the positives and the negatives of the occult? Um, Scorpio also ruling sexuality. Are we being fair to sex workers? Are we being fair to women who are more promiscuous, right? Are we putting a slut shamed label on these women? Like there's a lot of manifestations of how Pluto and Scorpio could go. Uh, But anytime a planet is in retrograde, it's really that reflection period for what that planet represents. Oh, okay. This makes Mm -hmm. so much more sense. I... I have all yeah, thank you for explaining that. I I have also read about this, but it, there's something about hearing it from someone like right in front of you or over yeah. video where the energy just hits different. The message just really resonates with you differently. So, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah, on a physical scale, so like Mercury retrograde, it literally is when from Earth's perspective, Mercury is moving in a backwards position. And then if you were to look at like your wheel chart, it is literally going backwards in the degrees. So it does make sense both like mathematically and when you like see it with your own eyes. Yeah. Um, But it it feels a little weird for Mercury retrograde. Everyone's kind of like, they they can feel it. They can sense it. And I feel like that's why it's such a pop culture thing because 
Venus goes in retrograde, Mars goes in retrograde, but those are, for whatever reason, it doesn't impact our daily communication as much. Yes. So it's less of an upheaval when it happens. And Mercury retrograde does happen every couple months. So people are much more aware of it. It's kind of like yeah. a full moon, like because it happens every month, people are like, yep, it's a full moon. So I think it's just that repetitiveness as well. Right, right, right. Yeah. When is it not Mercury? <laughs> what it feels like? Is there a particular planet that you like working with? So this has to do with my Aquarius rising. My chart ruler, depending on who you ask, is Saturn. Mm-hmm. I like to think of it as being Uranus because Uranus is also in my first house. And when I was in fourth grade, it was my planet project. So it's just kind of a little joke. Yeah. But also because I genuinely think Uranus is a little misunderstood. So Saturn is like, it's known for that karma. It's known for its power, the rings. You don't, you don't mess with Saturn, right? But Uranus is kind of overlooked a lot or sometimes like lumped together with Neptune. And I really found that it, I can kind of get a sense of power from it. Mm -hmm. Genuinely without Uranus, every single day would feel the exact same. Like, how boring would that be? You know, Mm. Uranus accounts for those differences, that weirdness. They account for, like, trying new foods or wearing something different. And, like, the fact that it's in my first house, it really makes every day different. Mm. And I also know that, like, if I don't dress towards my moods, I don't feel like myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the combination of the Uranus and my moon in my first house. It's like, I literally have to express myself different. Every single day. Otherwise, I'll feel like I'm being boxed in and someone's like controlling how I express myself. So it really is a very, I call it like a flamboyant planet. Like it really, it almost like screams to be acknowledged and everyone's like, oh, but Neptune. (laughs) So Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. Interesting. Um, Do you, I know you said that you feel into like what you're wearing and stuff. Do you have a ritual that you do or how do you feel connected to the cosmos, to the stars? Like, is there a spiritual practice that you have? So my spiritual practice, I don't really have like a name for it, but I definitely work with fire and smoke the most. Mm -hmm. So I just found, I think it has a lot to do with my air placements, honestly. And it's also something that when I see a lot of air and fire combo in other people, I'm like, you should probably try burning a candle or like starting a fireplace just to help calm those emotions. Um, It was something I noticed even in my adolescence. Like, okay, if I had a small candle, if my dad had the fireplace going, it did calm me down and it also helped me focus. So I also specifically now being an adult, I use like charcoal discs and I burn herbs. So I'm all about herbalism and I will burn different herbs depending on their meanings, their spiritual meanings, but then also their like metaphysical properties. And then in turn, I also use like an air diffuser and sometimes it might get a little too smoky. So I'll put on the air (laughs) diffuser at the same time. Yeah. And just do like similar elements or the same elements. So then it's not like crisscrossing. And then I also use teas. So I'll literally use the same dried herbs that I would burn. And then I just make sure they're safe to consume physically and then I'll make it into a tea as well so I've I've dived so deep into herbalism it actually almost saved my life at one point so I praise it I love it Uh, but I know not everyone is interested in burning them so it's kind of a different way of going about it yeah yeah totally now that you say that about um having those air placements and liking lighting a candle or anything like that I also have a good amount of air placements and I love candles (laughs) 
I love just like the wind and stuff, but I also have found yeah. balance in being with the earthy qualities and that grounding. Cause I definitely, when I first had my spiritual awakening, I found myself really a lot in like my higher chakras, which is so up in the ethers. And I really needed yeah. to find like, okay, let's go stick my hand in some grass, take a dip in the water. That was really yeah. helpful for me. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And especially when the weather is like better. I actually have a lot of plants here. So yeah. I'm like big into like house plants, caring for them. Um, I also like growing my herbs and then being able to mm -hmm. apply them that way. But when the weather is clear, we actually have a very beautiful river here. One of the other like ritual things I do to kind of like reground myself is especially in the summertime on a weekend when I know I have the whole day, I will wake up at, like the crack of dawn. Like the minute I wake up, I pull myself out of bed. Don't even brush my hair. Don't brush my teeth. Wow. Grab something quick for breakfast. Grab my water. And then I go to the river and I like take like a morning bath at the river. Mm. And it's like a good four to five mile hike. Like it's a good 45 minutes to get down there and then an hour and a half back to get back up because you're hiking, you're hiking up the entire mountain the whole yeah. time. Yeah. Um, but it's so beautiful first thing in the morning because like you have an entire watering hole to yourself. There's like a waterfall. I see all sorts of animals when I'm there. And like the first time I was there, like the first couple times I was there, actually, it was really scary for me just because the river was a place that I spent a lot of time with family and with friends. And it also in our area in California, it's known for a lot of tragedies as well. So sometimes when you're there by yourself, you're almost like hyper aware that like something bad could happen and that like almost no one would notice or like, oh, this is the spot where something had happened before. So there was definitely a lot of anxiety around it. And the more I kind of relaxed and did it, it has genuinely become like, it's almost like my safe haven. It's like a secret cove of mine because every time I'm there, it really just feels like the earth is hugging me and is mm -hmm. allowing me to fully relax and like be myself. If I want to be in a bikini, great. If I want to be completely nude, I can be. Like, it is genuinely yeah. such a secluded place. Yeah. And I never feared for my safety. I've never had any sort of bad accidents or anything. And that's also a pretty huge rarity up here, too, honestly. Like, the fact that you can have an entire section of the river to yourself. And even if it's for only, like, two hours, it really is something I try to do every two weeks, especially when I feel myself getting really low. That kind of tends to be when I replenish myself the most. If I'm like the worst I've ever looked and I'm like forcing myself to go down to this river, that also tends to be the most healing times when I'm there. So yeah, hiking is a huge, huge part of how I get myself back in my rhythm and yeah. really reconnect with the earth. Oh, I love that so much. It's so important because we are nature. We came from nature and it's so healing to be with the source of the energy that we came from. That's how I feel. I mean, I balance things out, but I love the mountains. I love the water. But when I'm in the water, it almost it feels like I'm back home. And when you I remember you mentioning something about the mermaid thing in my chart. And I was just like, wow, I, I literally I'm positive I was a mermaid in a past life. Like I literally <laughs> I literally feel at home in the water. <laughs> Well, and that would make sense because like Pisces being your fifth house, that is where you feel the most joy, the most childlike spirit that genuinely is, wow, like I, you can almost like tap back into who you were when you were five or that past life energy as well. My fifth house is in Gemini. So there's a lot of that like chaotic joke, like video games and the arcade games and amusement parks and those sort of things are like very much, I just feel like I'm right back at being like a six-year-old, like, wow, I could be here forever, you know, and oh, it, it really is like that. Yeah, the Pisces, Gemini kind of fun. <laughs>
Okay. So Pisces, as a reminder for our listeners, it's, is tapping back into that childlike energy. Is it- uh, for you specifically? Yeah. Because oh, it for covers- me, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Because it covers your fifth house. So oh, fifth yeah. house covers that, uh, it's ruled by Leo, they, but that creativity, fertility, that childlike spirit, that childlike joy, um, drama, think like the sun, think like that warmth. All of those are the same. Love it. Thank you for explaining that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, it has been wonderful talking to you. I feel like with the Gemini in you and the Libra in me, we could literally talk forever. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I do want listeners or I do want you to share anything that you are working on or what you want to bring to fruition this year. Oh, Okay, well, currently, I'm actually offering signature readings for Valentine's Day. Um, That is with my friend. She's an energy portrait artist. So I'm doing a signature reading focusing on couples, moons, Mars, and their Venuses. Um, And then just looking at the synastry, that is going into degree and house theory. Like I dive super deep into those. And then she's creating basically like an aura portrait of what the couple's energy looks like. And then we're setting those off with the Valentine's Day card. So it honestly has been a great project for the both of us. And it's really our first collaboration. Uh, but I've had such a great time in some of the clients that we've had, I know personally. So again, that like matchmaker part. But also, yeah, like I, this coming year, especially it closing out my first house year, um, I really feel like there's going to be a lot more collaborations and a lot more opportunities for me to kind of like not just get my name out there, but also explain astrology Mm -hmm. from my perspective. So I'm really excited about that because even this podcast, I really feel like was divinely orchestrated. So there's definitely been a lot of opportunities knocking on my door and um, not letting that imposter syndrome ruin it for me, like genuinely appreciating it and loving it and reaping my rewards. So yeah, absolutely. Yay. And if listeners depending on when this episode airs if somebody wants to get a synastry reading and that portrait after valentine's day is that still available so i offer synastry readings at any time throughout the year and actually if you get a normal synastry reading i'll be able to go through the risings the sun like way more of the placements way more of the houses and you'll get a lot more information you'll probably get like anywhere from a 12 to 13 page report literally (laughs) um and she also always does the portraits we were just trying for the first time how it would go with her company and mine like how we could mesh them together but honestly it's been very successful so i might try to uh redo this collaboration with her again for maybe following holidays or for either of our birthdays so just because it it really has been really fun (laughs) yay amazing and for people that want to connect with you further or work with you personally how can they connect with you oh yeah so i honestly have met a lot of my clients through threads so my threads username and my Instagram username are the exact same. So it's Rose underscore McGill, M-C-G-I-L-L. Um, and then I do have an astrology business email specifically. Um, that's where I send out readings. People can ask me questions. And that is upyouranusastrology at gmail.com. Yeah. So <laughs> I had to give it like a funny name. And then yeah. also just because Uranus, you know, so yeah. it also catches people really quick if they're dirty minded or if they understand the planet. <laughs> so yeah, no, I thank you for sharing. I remember when I saw that email and I was like, 
is this a joke? But then I was like, no, this, this is, this is actually her email. <laughs> so oh, yeah. Yeah. Like Uranus in the first house. And then that Gemini poking jokes at things yeah. like um, for Halloween. Yeah. I printed out these cute little stickers and I was going around my hometown. Um, and there's a lot of witchy spiritual astrology people here. So I knew it wasn't going to be like a bad yeah. or weird thing at all. And they were like, I love your name. Like, where did you come up with that? And I'm like, honestly, I was looking for one of those iterations where it's boom, boom, like easy to remember. And I was like, what's a weird planet? What's a weird like first letter? And I was like, you, Uranus. No one ever uses Uranus for anything. Yeah. <laughs> so oh. it just is super perfect now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sure Uranus feels honored. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I am so happy that you are collaborating more this year and really stepping into more of your power and your truth because, yeah, the the universe needs it. People are needing this type of light that you emanate. And I'm so, I'm so glad that our paths have crossed and it definitely was divinely orchestrated. Yeah. I also just want to say thank you so much for having this podcast because I've watched a couple of your episodes, like you include so many different people and so many different like perspectives. It's not just an astrology podcast. It's not just like tarot or Oracle. You really are bringing together so many people in our community 